don't know why that would work to let a bouncer let you in to a party at Prince's house. But what happens when you mix fire and ice? Warm water, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Who's That Girl, a new girl podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Kritika. And we're long-distance best friends who bonded over our love of TV and brought you this podcast to recap one of our favorite shows, New Girl. Today, we're discussing Season 3, Episode 14, Prince. And as most people who are listening to this podcast probably know, this is a big episode because Prince is actually in this episode. So we're going to do our podcast just a little bit differently this time. We are still going to start off with talking about the episode and doing our most likely to segment, but then we're going to take a quick break and then talk about Prince exclusively. Then we'll follow it up with the rest of our podcast that you normally see, our Schmidtism, our pop culture, although it looks a little bit different because this episode we don't have an in the 2020 section and our pop culture and guest stars are kind of a combined section. But getting back to this episode, it originally aired on February 2nd, 2014 and was written by David Feeney, who last wrote season three, episode seven, Coach, and Rob Russell, who last wrote Season 3, Episode 5, The Box. It was directed by Fred Ghost, who last directed Season 3, Episode 4, The Captain. In this episode, Jess and Cece get invited to a party at Prince's house, and while they're leaving, Nick accidentally drops the L word. Both he and Jess try to figure out what their feelings are in this episode, with some help from Prince. And I can't believe that the same episode starts off with an entire scene about moving Jess's underwear from the dryer so that the rest of the loft, or Winston in this case, can dry his clothes. I'm sorry, not underwear. Panties. Or as Nick says, pandies. Or as Coach says, panties. (laughs) They all had their own unique way of saying it. I can't believe this was an entire scene. I mean, it's very representative of how I feel New Girl has been, but it's just, it's hilarious. And I can't believe it was so extended as it was and how many different ways, like you said, they all refer to panties and also just highlighting Nick and Jess's relationship. Because I think that's really why it started off this way, because they want to remind us that Nick and Jess are in a relationship, but they're also living together. And what's the change that the loft has to go through to deal with that? It's so funny too, because Winston mentions how he previously would just move them and it wasn't a big deal. But now that she's dating Nick, he has to check. And then I'm like, well, wait, why does that have to happen? And Nick like asking like, well, why do you need to ask? And like, why does this need to have a thing? But it's just so, like you said, it's the loft, it's the roommates, but it's also what I imagine like guys would do when that would happen. (laughs) Like not sure how to act with it. And then they find the best way possible to like lift them on a stick and bring them over a laundry basket into Jess's room. When of course that's when Jess and Cece get home. And of course, eventually we find out that those are not Jess's panties. (laughs) So all of that was for naught. And hopefully, 
it was just the one that wasn't hers or they never really went back to that because why would there be one random panty that's not hers but also why would they have a load of someone else's laundry in their house because it's not something that's a complex wide thing it's their apartment so i know the episode wasn't meant to go into this but i just paused for a second especially when i watched it again for this podcast in a different episode this scene probably would have gotten so many more references back to it through the whole episode but in this one it was a great like random cold open to then let us know that Cece and Jess almost got run over by a car, but it turns out to be Prince's boss or like manager who then, because that happened, she's like, well, don't worry, we'll invite you to Prince's party. And they just start bust out dancing. They're so excited, which who wouldn't be that excited to tell their friends that they just got invited to a celebrity party, let alone Prince's party. Every single person would be. And honestly, though, in this scene, what kind of confused me, as we see right after, is that only Jess and Cece were invited, which almost everyone in the loft completely understood, except maybe me and Schmidt, because I actually thought they were all going to get to go to this party. And of course, I love how it played out, but I was not expecting them to come home, bring this, and not bring the guys with them. Yeah, I guess I was a little surprised by that too. Like Schmidt coming in all dressed. I was like, oh yeah, of course Schmidt's going to go. Like, of course they're going to go. But then like no one else was. And yet Winston was talking about how his suit even had socks on it or something like on his lapel. And I was like, oh, okay. So they are all going to go. But then I was confused like you where it turns out only Jess and Cece were going and did this whole like, here's Jess, let's present her. And I'm like, well, why are we presenting Jess they're just going to a party. Like, why, why do we need to, like, announce that Jess is dressed up? I thought that was a little funny, too. But it's Prince's party, right? Like, it's not just a party that they're going to. It's a party at Prince's house, which is crazy. Right, I get. I guess that makes sense. Like, trying to look as best as you can and, like, making sure that you look really good to go party amongst other Hollywood celebrities. I think it's also a little bit of a play to the pilot where she goes on that date, the rebound date, and she comes out and asks everyone, like, how do I look? And at first she's in overalls and then Cece's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Just like here, she's like, none of it works. Let's start over. But in the pilot, she changed into Cece's dress and went out for this date. And I remember thinking about how Nick looked at Jess in that moment, very much appreciative and like he might want to start something with her and now here we are two and a half seasons later and she's getting dressed up they are together and obviously this is the episode where they say I love you to each other so it was kind of cool to see that playback a little to what the pilot felt like too. I think that's a great connection and it's definitely something that even before we know that Nick is going to say I love you and like right in the next scene really awkwardly even his looks at Jess this entire episode just to say from his face like I love you. I love you. I love you. And then he does blurt it out. Jess and Cece are going to the limo that was sent. And he's like, have fun. I love you. (laughs) Then we see the opposite of the love face. And we see the like fear stricken. Oh, crap. What did I do? Face. And everybody's right there with him. I mean, Jess does finger guns back and obviously instantly regrets it. But The whole loft had to bear witness to this, and I was so, I don't want to say embarrassed, but, like, 
fully aware that Nick had an audience for all of this. And, like, also, coming back to your point about, like, parading Jess in front of everyone, why did they all have to go downstairs to, like, see the limo off? It wasn't like they were going on a trip or anything. They were going to one party, like you said. And that's like another way where they had to kind of force everybody to be together so that everybody could experience with Nick the utter panic of just, I said I love you and she didn't say it back. Well, I think it's just what you said, though, before. Because it's Prince's party, because he sent a limo to get them, I feel like People want to know what's happening and kind of see, oh, they sent a limo? What kind of limo? Is it fancy? Like, let's see. Is there champagne in there? Like, I feel like if that were to happen in my life, which let's be real, will never happen. But if that situation happened where someone in my vicinity area got invited to a celebrity party that I wanted to see what it was, I'd probably be like, it's like the prom parents, right? Like seeing their kids off, you know, like, yeah, what's going on? So I guess I got that part. But I actually loved how Nick said that with everyone around because if that had happened between the two of them where no one was around and it was awkward then it could have been this whole other storyline of okay I don't want to talk about it you don't want to talk about it what do we do here I'm not sure but like because literally everyone saw then everyone could at least like encourage them or not let them stop thinking about it because that's ultimately what happens like Nick freaks out and they all end up in the Ford Fusion, very specifically, to go to Prince's party, which that I was a little surprised, like, because they had a limo and because they didn't immediately leave, how did they know where to go? How did they even get let up the driveway? I don't know. Too many details. But they at least go to the party because of this. And I feel like if if Jess and Nick were alone in that moment, that wouldn't have happened. Or if it was just like Jess, Nick, and Cece, that still wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I didn't think about it from that perspective, but I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also really valued his openness in that moment because, yes, this thing happened, but he didn't push his friends away either. Like, they're all solutioning how to solve this together, which I also loved. Definitely there is a plot hole of how they knew where to go or where Jess and Cece even were because there wasn't, I imagine, something like find my friends or a way to like track your friends at that point. So I don't really know how they knew. And obviously they didn't contact Jess and Cece. So we'll just let that go. But I am glad that this played out the way it did. I did think there was a bit too much of influence from the friends though because a little bit later when we see them all reconnect because everybody's made it into the party too, I felt like they never gave space for Jess and Nick to have a conversation on their own. Like, I'm glad that this happened at the beginning where everybody was there. It also highlights how much Nick is in love with her because he's able to say that in front of other people. But then I didn't feel like they gave Jess and Nick enough space to talk about it without everybody being around. Yeah, it's almost like they were all trying to solve it together. It was all trying to be like, you guys love each other together and trying to process through that. But part of that too, though, like you're saying, like that they were doing it together. They were even doing it together as they arrived, at least the guys in their car. And how how Winston admits that he just blurts it out. And it's a numbers game on if people actually say back to him. Like he's, he's just looking at odds, like, oh, does this person love me too? We'll find out. I'll just blurt it out to them. You're just like, Winston, is this is this the effective method that you've learned for yourself to like make a solid relationship? It just seems a little funny. 
And on Winston specifically and in that flashback, I didn't love that they portrayed him as that weird, crazy person again with like, that is his personality trait. Like he's proven to be so much more. And even everything else they did with him in this episode with fire and ice, I really liked getting to see more of that. Like, oh, he and coach have this background. They do this before. This is a thing. That flashback though was not my favorite because it was just like, oh, here's Winston. We don't know what to do with him. He's crazy. Let's have him blurt out what almost looks like at a first date that he's in love with this woman. He's consistently the last thought of character. (laughs) It does seem that way. But at least in a way, they're trying to keep him quirky. So like, it was a weird quirk on this one, but it was still like his character of quirkiness. I feel like Coach tried to take on the quirk a little bit, like of him being like, oh, this is my Ford Fusion that gets amazing gas mileage. Like, it's the best thing ever. And I'm like, clearly they were paid to say all of that, you know, in this episode. (laughs) And not clearly, why was Coach chosen to be the person who said it, you know, but then Winston did make sense. Like if Winston was the one saying it, I feel like I would have like followed it a little better, but I think we know that wasn't Winston's car. Like he got a new car and that wasn't his. And then at least Winston's like, Oh yeah. Like I've said that the gas mileage just turns me on like once before it was a Thursday. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> so like with you that it's kind of like weak story points in the scene, but at the same time quirky. So still in character. Either way, they all end up showing up, right, at this party. And they show up because Nick just wants to, like, throw all of, all of that talk behind and be like, I'm going to go tell my girlfriend I don't love her like a normal person. And I'm just like, what comedy? This is not normal. None of this. Like, this whole car scene, not normal. Even though that's so comedic and, like, not normal, I feel like a small part of Jess is kind of in that realm like until she goes through this whole transformation with prince she is just freaking out about this too and you gotta think like maybe part of her would be like okay at least it'll go back to normal and of course that would be a temporary thing like it wouldn't last because this is jess this is nick but she tries to justify it by saying i say i love you all the time i love you and then of course she like runs into someone clayton kershaw who is an actual athlete turns around and is like oh hey I love you too like of course this happened he is an actual athlete and I'm actually a huge baseball fan specifically of the Los Angeles Dodgers that Clayton Kershaw is actually a star pitcher for and has been even since this aired like till today in 2022 like he's still a mainstay on the Dodgers so I saw that and I about did a spit take because I was like oh my God, it actually is Clayton Kershaw, a Los Angeles Dodger in this episode. I was so excited. But then I love Jess's response because it was so Jess because she obviously doesn't know anything about sports because she's like, mm-hmm, and I'm Jessica Day, a Los Angeles astronaut. I just died when she just dismissed him like no big deal. And he actually looked kind of sad, but I was like, well, wait, you are married. So don't be that sad. Like You don't have to fall in love with someone random at a party. But it was great. I loved this cameo so much. It connected so many worlds for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she totally had no idea who he was. But... That's also the point where we kind of flip back to the guys showing up at the party. And like I kind of dropped earlier, they do this whole routine called Fire and Ice where Winston and Coach have this whole, I don't know what to call it, short of a play. 
skit act sketch yeah like a skit yeah it's so funny because they have it all laid out and it doesn't really make sense but i guess they're like commiserating over their friend who died after they all were in a bad place and i don't know why that would work to let a bouncer let you in to a party at prince's house but what happens when you mix fire and ice warm water baby (laughs) (laughs) i'm just sitting here laughing quietly because that was the funniest thing to me like i can hear them saying it that they're just like warm water warm water you're just like what does that mean also that doesn't make warm water the ice needs to melt and then get warm like yeah i agree that was this was the best skit ever like ernie winston freddie didn't make it (laughs) if i was the bouncer i would have let them into the party like that seemed very genuine and real like they did that perfectly but what about them sharing a friend that had recently died made them on the invite list For a party at Prince's house. Like, I mean, I get it. It was well done. And especially when contrasted with ham and cheese, a.k.a. Nick and Schmidt. That was so bad by comparison, especially because Nick's just like pushing Schmidt away. Like, no, you got it wrong. Like, no. And I'm just like, Nick. You you clearly missed it. You missed the point. And even Schmidt's like, we didn't rehearse. It didn't. We didn't do it. But I feel like the bouncer wasn't necessarily checking a list of invites, right? Like he wasn't necessarily like, oh, you are Ernie. I'm going to check you off. It was more, are you trying to get in this party? Sneaky. Like, do you fit the vibe that Prince wants? Let me let you in or not. You know? Yeah, and I also feel like the people who would be at Prince's party are probably already famous. And so wouldn't you just recognize them by sight if they're famous? Probably. And so if Winston and Ernie, not Coach, met each other and had their whole little moment, then I feel like the bouncer would be like, oh, okay, like maybe these are some producers. They remembered Freddie. Like that's a cute scene. Let them in. But then obviously Nick screws over the next thing. And so Schmidt just looks like very desperate, right? So that's like a red flag to a bouncer. But Nick does a Trojan horse and just sneaks in the middle of models to get in the party. Oh, man. (laughs) These guys. And of course, it's the one person who really wanted to go to this party. That's the person who can't get into this party. It was only going to happen that way. (laughs) I was so ready for that. (laughs) But Nick does make it in, like you mentioned, and he finds Jess, and Jess tries so hard to say it. And Nick was so happy and excited. Like, you could read it all over his face. And then she fainted. Which Nick also points out that a panic attack and falling down was worse than the finger guns. Because the finger guns, like, that was just a moment of surprise. Like, you didn't know it was coming. You're surprised. But, like, then she sees him again. I guess in a way she could be surprised again to see him because she didn't think he was going to be at this party. So, like, she was still just trying to process it but then sees him. So that is a surprising moment. But, yeah, to faint again interesting but then in a nice way they all go to the terrace because the gang needs to like kind of get just to get a breath and be with her to kind of talk with her and nick again so that's where we were saying earlier like solutioning it for all of them but i actually really like that scene too because schmidt is finally making his way in through the hedge (laughs) and jess is like (laughs) wanting to continue the conversation and 
Nick's just like, let's just wait for this to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we've never seen that before in an episode where they're like, we, we need to let Schmidt do Schmidt for a moment and then we can come back to us. <laughs> but see, this is the situation that I was talking about where like, why were anybody other than Nick and Jess out there? Like once she regained consciousness, they should have all politely excused themselves, which I think they do after Schmidt gets air. So I don't know if they were just waiting for the last person to arrive before they leave. But they leave because I think Jess actually says, like, can we have a minute? And can we, like, say something? Because Jess is asking then in that moment, like, is that how you really feel? Because Nick is finally trying to take it back because he's like, I got to do the normal thing and I got to make my girlfriend not scared that I love her too much so she doesn't, like, leave me, right? So he goes, I don't love you. I take it back. And she's like, well, wait, is that really how you feel? And then Nick goes, well, how do you feel? And I was, like, having my own kind of panic attack moment back to first date from season two when they were going in and out of their also Ford car <laughs> to go into the restaurant where they run into Russell and Russell has them like write a note. So they're sitting on the curb and they literally can't talk to each other. They can't discuss things. And I was very concerned that was the way this episode was going to go. Like I was a very not ready for it to just repeat their communication issues. See, I didn't really think that they were going to get there. I actually thought it was an interesting take for Nick to ask Jess how she felt rather than just taking it back. Because I looked at it as wanting to not take it back if she felt the same way. Which if she had been unable to communicate, then 100% we would be exactly where you are talking about. And I don't know that she would have been able to without Prince. So agree 100% with that. But I saw the question more as, I do feel this way, obviously, because I'm not just saying, yes, I am ready to take it back. But giving just space to express where she's at. I don't know. It, it was a weird scene, but like, obviously it led to Prince coming in, which was great. And they needed that because... Jess could not get there on her own, which is funny because usually it's Nick who can't get there. And here he's very clear. He knows how he feels and he's only pulling it back because he thinks she is scared. I think that's actually very fair. And that's a great call out because it's almost like Nick was posing the question in more of a DTR defining the relationship sense of saying, how do you feel? We need to be on common ground with each other. Like I've already told you how I felt you need to tell me how you feel. So yeah, I think that's very fair. But yeah, for some reason, they kind of swapped roles here, like you said, too, where Jess was the one like can't process her feelings and like share that maybe I mean, she had the bad relationship with the guy from the first season, you know, that she moved out of his house where she was cheated on. So it could be that like saying, I love you is very intense for her. So like she needed to really process that, which as we've said a few times now, Interprince, the actual prince, the singer, the artist, the everything, Prince walks out. And just as every audience viewer would react and how Nick and Jess reacted, they just froze. <laughs> and adorable Prince is just like, oh, I'm sorry. How rude of me. I didn't give you time to freak out. <laughs> you can do so now. <laughs> oh, my God. I loved their reactions to it. I love that Prince paused to let them freak out. It's just amazing. Like Jess literally sobbing, Nick doing these random high-pitched squeals and fainting. 
it was so great. And then they obviously collect themselves and Prince sits down to talk to them. And it just looks so awkward. Like Prince is just sitting in the middle of both of them. And it looks like almost like a father figure breaking up two children who are fighting or something. Like, what are you doing? What do you need to say to this person? And then him not being familiar with finger guns just killed me. I even remember way back from when I first saw this episode, I always thought it was so weird that like they were three people sitting on that tiny bench with him in the middle. I was like, in what way did this make sense? But I I feel like how it made sense is Prince being like, sit next to me and like probably pulled them in. And also to just to get them in the shot of the camera to have them together. But yeah, the finger guns part, what a good icebreaker in that moment to be like, tell me what you mean. And then he goes like, put those away. I'm worried they might go off. (laughs) And you're just like, (laughs) this is great. Who knew Prince was going to be so hilarious, like such a comedian in this episode. I had no idea. Me neither. And then how he immediately picked up on the fact that Jess and him needed to be alone because he knew it was Jess that needed to work the stuff out. And when he tells Nick this, Nick's like, I'm not worried, but why? And it's just (laughs) great. And then even Jess being like, I never thought I had to say this, Nick, but I need to be alone with Prince. It's like, everybody is extremely chill about this. Like, I'm sure they're screaming on the inside, but still. Right? And I feel like just for the situation that it was too, it's like we all understood that like nothing inappropriate or wrong was going to happen, obviously, with Prince or Jess. It was always going to just be a conversation of like we need to talk about you Nick and we need to get this sorted out but like with Jess alone so yeah it's fun because then it almost becomes like a mentoring session but like a very Prince mentoring session like I don't know if I've ever experienced or ever heard of anyone experiencing some kind of mentor session the way that Prince did with like eating pancakes and eating all of the pancakes and then going off and doing more ridiculous things. Oh, 100%. It was the whole training montage, right? That you see in like a lot of movies that's like, this is how the person became really great. So they start off like unable to say anything and then they do a bunch of stuff. And usually those montages are like relevant. And here it was watching a butterfly, saying the word love, getting put into darkness like the whole montage was so funny to watch how they decided on her outfit how she was ready to go say this now because of like you said prince mentoring her these scenes were so fun too because they did like a style makeover and the scene in the closet where he shows up of just saying like boo like trying to get her out of her comfort zone and even the scene like there she's trying to be like well you're stupid because that's just a normal response you'd say to a friend or something and prince is like excuse me like but with only his eyes honestly a little surprisingly but their dynamic was amazing prince with jess was the right matchup I was thinking about too like if any other person from the loft ended up matching up with Prince and that was the scene how would that dynamic be and I feel like Schmidt Prince would be like a whole mess and like Nick Prince honestly would have been not the right thing either it could have maybe been like Cece Prince but we did end up slightly seeing that at the end but it was never going to be any of the other loft members with him so I'm I'm glad we got to see that montage and how their friendship almost happened in that moment. 
I totally agree with you. Like, for me, if it was Schmidt and Prince, it would be so competitive. Like, it would be a weird dynamic. Winston or Coach. Coach would be also be competitive, I think. Timing Prince. Yeah, exactly. And Winston <laughs> would be like, I don't know, something really silly. And I'm glad we get to see the CC bit because I do think that's kind of exactly how it would play out. But before we even get there... Jess is now like equipped with all the stuff so she comes out and Nick has been getting drunk and even prevents Winston and coach from making new friends or getting laid and ruins fire and ice it's good that Jess came out when she did because I can't imagine how that would have continued yeah Nick of all people wanted to go dancing and that's like not his thing at all. And so it was it was fun to see the models like leaving Winston and Coach because <laughs> Coach is just like, no chow, no chow. Like, don't leave, don't leave. Please stay. <laughs> and Nick too was just going so crazy because he's like, you're going to be replaced by robots. And I'm just like, Nick, why is this the moment to get drunk? Which also was a little bit surprising because he's clearly so like, upset in a way you know like that the night has gone like it has which makes sense but then it's weird that he's so drunk he's saying all these crazy things he can't even say like I don't know what he says like fragile cavalicious or whatever that means like he's saying nonsense and then he goes to dance and he's like acting crazy but then Jess comes out and they look at each other and I feel like in that moment somehow Nick like instantly sobered which like is very sweet in a way, but then I'm like, how? You were very drunk. <laughs> like That was a quick switch. It absolutely was. <laughs> I just, it's for the purpose of this episode, right? They had to get to a place where they wrapped up. He, I guess, sobered up from literally looking at Jess's beauty because he was so into her from all this. I didn't think too much about that, but maybe he also danced it off, you know, like it was a little bit of time while she was probably in that training montage for a while, even though we didn't obviously see too much of it. But I'm just glad that we got to the space. We have been waiting for something like this for Jess and Nick for so long, and I think it solidifies a lot for them. So I'm just excited to see where we're at now. So long. And I'm so happy. In the beginning of the episode, before Prince got there, I was so worried, right, that it was going to be another like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And now, through Prince, thank you, Prince, for wanting to be on the show and being invested in Nick and Jess, because without you, I think we wouldn't have had this television show go in this direction. So we did see Nick's sobering bewilderment at Jess. And it was perfect. And she tries to whisper in his ear the way that Prince whispered in her ear. And it's like the same scene where she's like, I don't know what she said. And he's like, I couldn't hear you at all. And so she yells it. I love you. I love you, Nick Miller. Oh, I was so happy. It's such a like heartwarming moment. It's like almost not quite as good, but almost very close as good as their first kiss in season two. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's quite as good. Because that, I think, was building for a long time. And this, we knew, I think, was on the horizon. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was never going to happen. I do think they would have probably gone back and forth a lot more before they got there. But I'm excited it's here. And then having Prince yell out in the megaphone, like, anybody want to fall in love tonight? And gesturing Jess to go up. And just the fact that they, like, did this whole song and... It was so great to see all this 
last bits of this episode, just them kind of jamming out together. They all look like they're actually jamming out too, not like acting. They look like they're just up on stage having fun with Prince. And I'm sure there is part of that to it for sure. When you are presented with a moment to sing and dance along with Prince, you sing and dance along with Prince and you, you just let everything go. Even you got to let your real human self show, not your character when that presents itself. As I'm sure even the actors were doing, they all end up back at the loft and they go, did that just happen? Did, did, is this a real experience that we experienced? I loved Schmidt too, because he's like, where do we go from here? How do we move on from this? Do we just go to work tomorrow? And I'm just like, I've had maybe not dancing and singing with Prince at his house party. You know, I've not experienced that. Okay. But there's moments where you experience something so big or so exciting in life that then you go, do I just go to work tomorrow? Like, is that what I do from here? And of course, then time passes and all of that. But yeah, what an epic conclusion and like moment to at least have them reflect on what they did. Oh, yeah. I also have no idea how they went from here. But one thing that kind of like caught my ear during this because I didn't know the song or when it was released was Coach telling Jess, how did you know the words? And her saying, I think Prince is magic. So that made me kind of figure out when did the song actually come out? And the album that it was on didn't come out till 2015. And I think the single itself that I saw came out in like March 2014. And this episode was February 2014. So I think this is like the first time that most people had really heard the song. He wrote the song for the show. Right. And so I didn't realize that when I like first heard it or when I was watching this episode until this point thinking if I was in the show, like it really was Princess Magic. She just knew the words. Now we know the behind the scenes, but being in the universe of the world, that would have been so cool too to just be like, yep, I know the words. No big deal. Well, and that it is Zoe Deschanel, who's really a singer as well, and is her own artist. And how, if it was like any other character, again, it wouldn't have really worked because no one else really has that singing background the way that Zoe Deschanel does. So in a way, it was definitely that last scene was Prince's magic, but it was also the actors coming out and being themselves in that moment. Exactly. It was just everything together was so good. And... No one knows where Cece is because she's been off playing ping pong with Prince, which is hilarious also. Apparently she's like a cutthroat ping pong player. (laughs) She didn't even care that it was Prince. She just was like, yeah, okay, go easy on me. Slice. (laughs) Totally dominated him. Which kind of brings us to as well, like Schmidt and Cece, this whole episode, because while they were kind of interspersed throughout some different scenes, we wanted to talk about them just a little bit separately how Schmidt in a way like started this episode by saying that there's one party in every man's life that changes everything. And it was a little surprising because it's like, you wait, Schmidt just wants cooler friends, but apparently that's just like a normal thing that he wants. He just regularly wants to find cooler people in his life that are more interesting to him. And I'm just like, what a mean thing to say to your friends that are there for you literally through thick and thin in all the moments. Like, Wow, that was really not cool. Oh, it was entirely so douchey because it's one thing, like you're saying, to just kind of communicate that with people you don't know yet or you're meeting for the first time. But these are people who you live with, who you spent decades with, you celebrate your anniversary with. I think it was unfortunate to watch Schmidt do this. But of course, 
Of course, it's not actually going to play out that way. He knows that he needs to be with Cece. And so while Winnie, Ernie, and Cece are playing Lemon Mouth at Princess Party, he gets distracted by it. And so instead of going to the VIP room, he came and hung out with them. And obviously, like, I mean, we all knew that this was going to be how it was going to go for him. But what was actually surprising to me in that whole scene was Cece playing Lemonmouth. Like, I felt like she would have been someone who had been mixing with everybody. And instead, she's at Prince's party and playing Lemonmouth. With her friends she came with, or like sort of came with, but like people she already knows. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that too hard, but I guess that is a little surprising. Like for the show and cinematically, it makes sense to like focus on our characters and see them together. But it doesn't really like Cece's backstory and that she's a model. Like in a way you would think that she would use this party to connect with other models and like go try to get reengaged into the career. Although I guess, you know, we've been hearing and seeing that she's been having in a way like a crisis about her job and like, if she really likes it. So kind of makes sense. But yeah, I, I guess I'm with you that a little interesting that Cece was just right there with everybody laughing and having a good time. I also died in the scene when coach pulled out his stopwatch to time everyone, how long they can keep the lemon in his mouth. And I'm just like the detail. This is amazing. Whoever in the writer's room made sure that detail was in there. Hats off to you. That was the Easter egg for all of the true new girl fans, because this episode aired right after the Super Bowl and like was a big thing because it had prints in it. So a lot of people watched it. And I feel like this detail was like, we see you, New Girl fans. Thanks for watching. (laughs) Yeah, in case you didn't know, Ernie is named Coach because he times things and is named after his career. So, (laughs) but it was just a perfect situation for them. And then also kind of seeing Schmidt and Cece kind of starting to rekindle things maybe a little where he avoided the bouncer by like nestling into her chest and hides with his old friends. And then them dancing in general, like it was a good moment for Schmidt and Cece too. It was. And it really, I think with that moment and then with the lemon mouth moment and like seeing them playing that, Schmidt was never really going to not be with his friends. Like he realized the value of friendship as cheesy as it sounds, but he realized it and he knew he had the good thing. I, overall, this episode was just so heartwarming in so many ways. Thank you, Prince. Thank you for gracing us with your presence in this episode. But now that gets us to our most likely two section where Kritika and I pick two things that happened in this episode and see which of us is most likely to do that thing. So Kritika, who is most likely to fire and ice your way into a party? I think me. I think I would be more likely to like come up with a skit and come in and try and use it. I just don't think I would be successful at it. I think you as well. I have absolutely zero chill. (laughs) (laughs) I have zero chill and I have no poker face. So if that was like the same scene that Coach and Winston did and you and I, let's say, tried to do it, I feel like you would be like, Freddie? oh my gosh, he didn't make it. And you'd be like, believable. And I'd be like, laughing. Like, oh no. (laughs) Like, does he notice? Did he figure me out? So yeah, I I believe it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, Kelly, who do you think of the two of us is more likely to say I love you first? 
Ooh, I had a similar one. I had also dropped the L word unplanned. So maybe that's slightly different. I don't know. Should we take that separately? I feel like that's two different things, but we can answer both here. Okay. So let's answer both. Because yeah, I had this is, I feel like, such a big moment of this episode, right? So to say it first, that's hard. I feel like every relationship's different. Like maybe in some relationships, no, and some yes. I don't know. But like, I, I don't know. Like, what's the matter? I don't, that's hard. Why am I, we, we suddenly, like, we asked this question and it sounds so simple. And then I'm like really thinking about it and I go deep real fast and I'm like, wait, I'm having an existential crisis. What's going on? (laughs) So I don't know, just for the sake of an answer, I'll say me. I think I would say it first because I also am like no nonsense. Like I'd rather just get it out there and like have it said and be known about how I felt rather than like do a Jess and Nick and dance around it for a season, literally. Yeah, I would have also said you. I don't think it's that I wouldn't. To your point, I think it depends on the relationship. But I think that in general, I would probably pick you out of the two of us for this for the same reasons. Fair, fair. So who would drop it unplanned? Honestly, I think that could be... See, now I'm overthinking it because I'm like both (laughs) of us because I really do think that both of us could get like lost in the heat of a moment. Like you said, no nonsense, want to share how we feel. But then I also feel like neither of us because I feel like we would have worked it up so much in our head thinking about it to share it that like it wouldn't come out unplanned. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's neither of us as well. Like if you think about the way that Nick said it, like, oh, bye, love you. You know, I feel like when it's not been my significant other, I've had those moments like on the phone or something with someone just like awkwardly like, oh, bye, love you. But then you're like, oh, shoot, that was like my dentist. What did I do? But like, (laughs) so not really like unplanned intentionally, you know, with someone you care about, but like an oops moment. But yeah, I would say that in this scenario, I would say neither of us because I am a self-described overthinker, but both of us together, (laughs) would at least have planned and done more to prep for this big life-altering thing we want to share with someone. And my last most likely to is Kelly. Which one of us do you think is most likely to get invited to a celebrity's party, but then actually go to? Whoa. You're like going crazy with these (laughs) thought questions. Um, get invited to a celebrity's party. I mean, neither of us, so no one would go. <laughs> so we wouldn't get invited. That would just not happen. I don't know if we would say that someone got invited. Like, what does that mean to get invited to a celebrity's party? I mean, if we almost got run over, we would get invited. I have. I- yeah, let's say it's the exact same situation. Like, you are invited to Prince's house for a party for whatever reason, but would you actually go? So, okay, just the second part, like, we we got invited. We're going to yeah. say we we got invited. Good. Because neither of us good. are getting invited to a celebrity party. Getting, no. <laughs> We're not getting invited. But if we did get invited, second question, yeah, um, would we actually go? Honestly, like, if I got, like, let's just say, same scenario, I got invited to Prince's party. If you somehow could, like, transport yourself to be with me, I would go with you. I would go to a thing like this with you, I probably wouldn't go with my husband because I feel like he wouldn't appreciate the celebrityness of it. He also doesn't really love a party. And so I'm like, I'd rather go with someone who would like hype up the situation and like be as excited. Like, I just remember when I saw 
a celebrity in LA. And I was so excited that I immediately just called you and was like, oh my God, I just saw this person. I'm dying. And you're like, I would die too. That's great. But I did not get invited to any parties. Like, so. <laughs> but yeah, I would call you. I would make you come to a celebrity party with me and probably hopefully vice versa. Honestly, same. I think by myself, I would chicken out and not go because I'd feel so awkward about like being at a place like that without knowing anyone. But I think with the right person like you, I would go because I think we would both like talk each other into it, even if we were feeling kind of like, I don't know, on our own. So I think together, it's a both of us. It's a both of us for sure. And we would just awkwardly hide in the corner being like, oh my God, is that a model? (gasps) (laughs) Yes, we would be playing lemon mouth in the corner, not be talking and going to the VIP room. Yes, 100%. But that gets us to our first break of this podcast. And when we come back, we'll be getting into our special section all about Prince. And now we are going to talk all about Prince. Obviously, this whole episode was centered all around him. It was named after him. One thing about Prince as well is, if you did not know, he has now passed away, but he has an Instagram still that is managed by his estate that does post regularly. It's just at Prince. But then it's pretty fun. He has his own Instagram that he had before he passed away that is still preserved. That is his legacy. His handle is accurately at PRN Legacy. It's, as he says, his Princegram, which obviously very Prince, amazing. I also wanted to note that Who's That Girl has talked about Prince and or Prince was mentioned in a previous episode of New Girl that we have in our show notes in both season one, episode six, Thanksgiving, and season two, episode 10, Bathtub. But now we're going to give a brief overview of Prince and his life, as well as his role in this episode of New Girl. So Prince Rogers Nelson was an American singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist, And he was widely recognized and regarded as one of the greatest musicians of his generation, often known for his flamboyant androgynous persona and wide vocal range because he had a far-reaching falsetto and high-pitched screams. He namely produced his albums himself, which really pioneered what's called the Minneapolis sound because his music incorporated a wide variety of styles like funk, R&B, rock, new wave soul synth pop and many more and he often played most or all of the instruments within his recordings it's not surprising that he's also sold over 120 million albums worldwide or that he's a grammy winner but he's actually a seven-time grammy winner so so many good songs that's come from prince and he wrote his first song called funk machine on his father's piano when he was seven and by the age of 19, had signed a record deal with Warner Brothers Records, releasing his album For You and Prince. He's actually named after his father's best-known stage name, Prince Rogers, which is what his father used while performing with his mother in a jazz group called the Prince Rogers Trio. But he actually wasn't really fond of his name, and instead in his childhood he wanted people to call him Skipper, which stuck for a while through his childhood. Also, as a child, he had suffered from epileptic seizures and was teased in school because of this, which is 
what in part he had said led him early in his career to compensate by being as flashy and as noisy as he could. All in all, Prince had such a prolific output of music because he had released 39 albums during his life, but even after his death, there was a vast array of unreleased projects, including completed albums and over 50 music videos. So as we get to New Girl and Prince's experience with that, the staff behind New Girl had learned that they secured the post-Super Bowl time slot of 2014. And so the writers and the producers began preparing an episode that would attract newcomers to the show as it would air right afterwards. And they wanted to create something special as well for regular viewers. And so around that time of that announcement that they got that slot, Prince happened to inquire about making a guest appearance on the show. So then the writers made sure that the show centered around him. But what is surprising then that Prince even reached out is that this is the sole television show that Prince acted on beyond his own film projects. There was a note that he had appeared in Muppets Tonight back in 1997, but it had been noted that that not might be properly considered an acting role. But apparently, as Zoe Deschanel shared on late night shows at the time, like Jimmy Kimmel and on Conan O'Brien's show, she shared that Prince had shared with her that he watched the show every week with his band while he was on tour. And Zoe's quote was, I didn't picture him watching a sitcom, let alone my sitcom. How could that be possible? But Zoe was the first to find out that Prince was interested via an email from his manager. She actually thought she was being pranked when she was told that Prince wanted to appear in New Girl. She thought that it just couldn't be possible. So she really did figure out that it was Prince. And through her anecdote and through videos, we'll make sure we share with you in our show notes. She even describes it as him using like the letter two when he says two, which was just very Prince-like, like it couldn't be mistaken for anyone else. One interesting fact, too, about Prince is that in the end, while this ended up being his only television acting performance, he had been known to regularly turn down acting requests. So in this case, Prince inquired, but even up to the last minute, they weren't sure if he was going to actually be on the show, and they really didn't have a backup plan. They also tried to get him previously to be a guest appearance on season two's episode, Virgins, but he had turned that down, which Elizabeth Merriweather admitted that it might have been too racy and really not the right use of someone as big as Prince. But Elizabeth Merriweather also had said that Prince was known to really back out of things at the last minute if he was unhappy. So she was really <laughs> quite nervous, but ultimately shared that she didn't know why Prince agreed to guest star on New Girl. She had heard that he loved the show, and it was one of the few shows that Prince actually watched, but she couldn't believe that was true because she didn't feel like they were cool enough for Prince. Because as I laughed when I read this, she goes, we did an entire episode about someone leaving a wet towel in the bathroom. Like, how could this be for Prince? So understandable. I think we all maybe thought on Elizabeth Merriweather's page about that. But one of the big things that Prince was very invested in was Jess and Nick's relationship. He really said that he's a big fan of the relationship when he was filming this episode, and he wanted to make them stronger as a couple, which Jake Johnson was sharing this and felt that that was awesome and amazing and so glad that Prince was watching his show to help influence this relationship. And I have to say that I'm also so, so glad that Prince had a hand in furthering Jess and Nick's relationship. 
And Prince in this episode also contributed a lot to the production. So we mentioned how this was a new song with vocals from Zoe Deschanel. And he got to debut that on this episode, which was a choice that obviously he had a big part in. And he had stated that he wanted his party on his show to be as close to what parties at his house were really like. And I think that's a really cool experience to see as a viewer because obviously, like we mentioned, we would never have gotten invited to a party at Prince's house. But it was nice to see that they kept that ambiance based on what he said. The show had actually filmed scenes with some of the Kardashians to come in and be guests at the party. And those got cut because Prince said they would never be at a Prince party. So just very close to what these would actually look like at his house. Some of the pieces were just really improv by even Prince, like the megaphone. When he calls out, does anyone want to fall in love tonight? That was all Prince's mind because everyone just cheered because it was impromptu, but so great when Prince is asking you that. And uh, Elizabeth said that you just had to shout out because the megaphone made the song feel like a movement, like a rally, and like they were all standing together in support of falling in love and how brilliant it was. And what I thought was also very interesting was there was a lot of choices in this episode that Prince really handpicked, like the name of the non-speaking chef character, the wardrobe of the chef, the paintings on the wall, Zoe's wardrobe and his wardrobe, even down to the pancakes and hairstyles and the fact that he had a poem written in the shape of an egg flown from Minnesota to hang on the wall of the set. His vision for this episode was just so encompassing, but what was really interesting to see was that when Elizabeth was making this episode in the show, she never felt like it was overpowering her vision because he always was asking what she thought, and it was almost like, in her words, that he was asking her to rise up to beat him, which was very cool because There are little things like the megaphone, but also in the episode when Jess is in the closet and he surprises her with a lighter under his chin, it was originally supposed to be a flashlight. And the way Prince presented this to Liz was when she was standing in a small dark bathroom alone, he came in and flicked a lighter on under his chin and said, isn't this funnier than the flashlight? And it was, so they changed it, which is really cool to see him put his mark on the episode. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the Prince segment, Prince has passed away. He died of an accidental overdose in 2016, and his estate really does passionately present his life and his work to immerse new and old fans and share Prince's story. We've been on his website now, Prince's website, and it is honestly a a museum online. It has so much. It's very artistically put together. You can learn so much more about Prince and his work through that. So it is a very great site. Very unfortunate that he's passed away, but his memory and his art really still lives on, especially even through this episode, which right after Prince died on April 21st, 2016, Fox re-ran the episode April 26th in tribute. And when that aired, that version opened with a memorial dedication to Prince. And with that full section on Prince, we're going to take another little break, but we'll be right back with the last part of our podcast. And we're back. So this episode 
our Schmidtism is near the beginning when Schmidt walks in having bought a new suit and is critical of Nick's cargo pants. So I will be Schmidt as always, and Kelly has one line from Nick and a quick one from Coach as well. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate this thing called Schmidt. Nick, are you wearing cargo pants? Yeah. You're going to wear those to an A-list party? Hey, guys, how are we going to transport all this cargo? Oh, wait, we have Nick's pants. We're saved. Get the frickin' pants off. Dude, we're not going. Prince invited the hot girls, not the four dudes. What? Then why did I buy this $2,000 suit? It would be very Schmidt to immediately find out about this and go buy a new suit. I mean, we remember, right, what happened in Bathtub where all his suits were ruined and that was a whole plot point of an episode. So Schmidt is a man who cares about his suits. He even goes so far to have summer suits. So why did Schmidt buy a $2,000 suit? He was going to be prepared. This was going to be Prince's suit. So he was going to look good. And I don't even know if it's as much about Prince as much as this is the party that changes his life, and he's going to make his new friends. But of course, he ends up playing Lemon Mouth in a $2,000 suit. To each his own, right? But to each his own, to the point in which Nick wanted those cargo pants. <laughs> but <laughs> Schmidt's reaction to the cargo pants, honestly, was a great Schmidtism for this episode. But next, in a typical podcast, we usually get into our In the 2020 section. We are going to omit that this episode, and we're also going to combine our pop culture and our guest stars section. There wasn't too many pop culture references, and while there were a handful of different guest stars, we are going to talk about a few of the guest stars who are in their own way pop culture references. So did want to mention that we are not discussing Michael Zane, who is the bouncer, Shantae Carmel, who is just an attractive woman in this episode, Joshua Welton, who is bouncer number two, Hannah Welton, who is band member number one, Ida Nielsen, band member number two, Donna Grantis, band member number three, and Damaris Lewis, who was a dancer. We will be talking about, I will be talking about Clayton Kershaw, who, as I previously shared, am a big fan of. Professionally, though, he is the starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Somewhat like Prince, this is the only TV show he's ever done, and he was only 26 when he was on New Girl. He has played his entire Major League Baseball career for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and as a starting left-hand pitcher, he has played 14 seasons in the Major Leagues since he debuted in 2008. He is a nine-time All-Star, three-time National League Cy Young Award winner, and in 2014, the year this episode came out, he was the National League's most valuable player. There are many more statistics about Clayton Kershaw that really just show how much he is at the forefront of pitchers today, but knowing our audience here and knowing that all of these baseball stats may not mean something more to you than numbers... I will go ahead and share a little more about him outside of baseball with his wife, Ellen, who he was actually married to at the time that this episode filmed. He co-authored a book, Arise, Live Out Your Faith and Dreams on Whatever Field You Find Yourself, as a fundraising book for his humanitarian efforts, which then he also has a ping pong playoff that in 2022 
Lamorne Morris and Max Greenfield attended to support Clinton Kershaw's causes. So kind of a fun overlap of things to have that recently happen in real life and then be talking about this episode here. And then there were three models that stood out to us on the list here from Prince's party. The first is Alessandra Ambrosio, who I actually recognize from a few different shows because she has acted in a few, like American Housewife, Entourage, How I Met Your Mother, Gossip Girl, and in movies like Casino Royale, Daddy's Home, and Daddy's Home 2. And Alessandra is a Brazilian model, actress, fashion designer, businesswoman, and television personality known for her work with Victoria's Secret and The Pink Line. But another thing that's really interesting is that she was one of the 20 finalists in the 1995 Elite Model Look National Competition for Brazil. And today, she's actually the founder of Gal Floripa, a beachwear brand. She also recently became an American citizen in 2020. And our second model is Anna Beatrice Barros, who's in movies like Zoolander 2, and is also a Brazilian model who did work with Victoria's Secret, amongst other companies, and was most recently on the cover of Harper's Bazaar Turkey, February 2022. And our last model is Lias Ribeiro, who is on the TV show Born to Fashion as a host. She's another Brazilian model known for her work as a Victoria's Secret angel. So really three Victoria's Secret models that were in this episode at Prince's party. And something that was interesting about her was that prior to becoming a model, she was in training to become a nurse. And as I mentioned, she hosts the show Born to Fashion, which is the first Brazilian reality show featuring only transgender girls who dream to become models and compete for the title of the new face of Brazilian fashion. So it was just interesting to see three of these models making the cut to be at Prince's party along with Clayton Kershaw. Additionally, for our trivia and fun facts section, we did want to make a quick note about the Ford Fusion they so lovingly talked about, or I should say as Coach so lovingly talked about with the low gas mileage. And just mention that while we had such a promo for the Ford Fusion in this episode, there was previously a promo, if you will, for Ford Fusions, amongst other Ford things, in Season 2, Episode 5, Models, where Jess was at the car show in place of Cece. And then again in Season 2, Episode 21, First Date, where Nick and Jess kept going in and out of the restaurant using the foot swipe method with the Ford Escape Nick was using. And then for this episode's bear, Kelly and I didn't really catch this one on our first listen, and we didn't find it on Reddit either. The closest that Kelly was able to come up with was when Schmidt lost his bearings in the hedges. But if that is the bear for this episode, it seems a bit weak for us. Yeah, definitely a bit of a stretch for that one. So (laughs) definitely a few different episodes so far that haven't really had distinct bear references. Coming to our rating and favorite character section, IMDb gave this episode an 8.5 out of 10. The audience viewership, which if you are listening to this episode by episode, has skyrocketed. It is 26.3 million viewers in the U.S. when it was first aired, and that is very likely because of Prince, number one, and because it aired after the Super Bowl. And with that number of viewers, it became the most watched episode of New Girl ever. I gave this episode a 9 out of 10. Honestly, I feel like I'm going to up it to a 10 out of 10. I feel like this really stood out. To have someone as big as Prince, to have 
Nick and Jess say I love you to each other, to have Schmidt choose his friends over cool people at the party, I was really in love with this episode. So I'm going to up it. I'm going to go with a 10. I gave it a 9 out of 10 like you originally did. For me, it was a really great episode and watching Prince was awesome. But I think that while I liked the storyline of Nick and Jess saying I love you and Prince being there, it still lacks something for me. Like it wasn't a cooler to our point. And there's a couple other episodes that I think I've liked a little bit more. So it's a 9 out of 10 for me. And I'm going to say my favorite character is Nick. He was so confident in his feelings. And even if he did try to take it back, I felt like he did it from a place of wanting what's best for the relationship. And I think earlier you said making sure they're on the same page, which I really liked. So he was my favorite character. My favorite character was Prince. (laughs) I know in the past, I sometimes do pick a guest star to be my favorite character. And in this case, I really couldn't choose anyone else. I definitely liked, as I kind of said, everyone in their roles in this episode. I mean, the fire and ice scene as a scene was easily one of my favorites. But as a character, I really loved Prince the most just for how we got to see Prince as Prince, but through the eyes in the world of New Girl. So I really appreciated that. And honestly, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, how could you not pick Prince in an episode like this? But that really wraps up everything on this episode, but our spoilers. So if you found it interesting or you enjoyed our podcast, we would love if you'd give us a rating or leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this today. And we really appreciate you for taking the time to listen. And if you have any feedback for us or what you thought of this episode, please shoot us an email at whosthatgirlpod.com or reach out to us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at whosthatgirlpod. So now, if you don't want to hear about future storylines, you have five seconds to pause. And if you do, we'll chat again next time for episode 15. Okay, end game couples. So we're going to start out with Jess and Nick, and obviously, big episode for them this time. They said, I love you. I give them a 9 out of 10 for that. I think they showed a lot of growth. I think Jess had her qualms, but was able to make it there, and obviously we had to see her go through that, and I think that they've got really good potential going forward. I'm just shocked that you did not give them a 10 out of 10 like me because, yeah, they have potential going forward. They've basically gotten through their communication barriers thanks to Prince, and it can only go up from here at least for a little while until it goes down. But for now, it's a 10 out of 10. This is going forward. They have made so much progress. So I guess in between us, we can go for a 9.5, sure. But I was very excited for them. I feel like on Schmidt and Cece, we're also going to differ. I gave them a 6 out of 10 because I felt like after last episode, it has progressed more because in the last episode when it was Jess's birthday, you know, there were some interactions there. But really with this episode, yes, he hid himself in her boobs and she didn't freak out about that. And he also wanted to still be interested in like hang with his friends. So there's stuff there, but I really went with just a six because I don't feel like it's going to happen in the next couple episodes. I went with a seven. I feel like I take bigger swings with Schmidt and Cece now because they really go from hot to cold so much faster because either they're like not together or 
there's not a lot of range. So for me, it was a seven. I also really think that the fact that Cece had no problem with Schmidt talking to his old friends and dancing with her really showed that there was something there, especially after he spent, like you said, last episode helping her. So I really think that they have grown a lot and I'm excited because I don't know exactly when we start to see more from them again. I think it's not till next season, but I'm really hoping that we start to see them come back together. But together for us, that's a 6.5. And getting to our douchebag tracker, where a 0 is that Schmidt is a totally genuine guy, and a 10 is that he is a total douchebag. This episode, I gave him a 4 out of 10, because while he was looking for cooler friends, and that wasn't great, he was genuine in wanting to go to the party. He was really genuine in the moment of playing lemon mouth and in general he didn't do anything to try and mess up nick and jess he kind of supported nick the whole time so i gave him a four out of ten i agree i also gave him a four out of ten because of everything you said he was ultimately just classic schmidt this episode so together we are a four out of ten but that really gets us to the end of our podcast this episode. There really weren't any other spoilers that we had noted. So we want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Who's That Girl? We'd also love to hear your feedback and hear your thoughts on this episode about Prince. Feel free to reach out to us on social media as Kritika has shared at Who's That Girl Pod or send us an email at Who's That Girl Pod at gmail.com. We hope to see you back for the next episode. <laughs>